Hello everybody, welcome to Amen, where we have the power of God and anime on our sides. My name is Greg, today I'm joined by Nick, and we're going to be doing another installment of our pastor series. We're going to be talking to a bunch of pastors that me and Nick both know, and get to know what it really is like being a pastor. And this week we have Jason, or do you want me to call you Pastor Jason? I don't know, I that'd be sure, sure. Weird. Let's, let's go with that. Alright, Pastor that. Jason, oh, sounds man. good. It's gonna it's weird. Be, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna be used to this. All right, but yeah, we have Pastor Jason, who is not the pastor of our church or of any church currently, which we're going to get into. I hope. Uh, so yeah, welcome. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thanks for having me, man. And so we. So right now, uh, Jason, Pastor Jason, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to go with Jason. This is, you can go yeah. Jason. just go Jason, please. Way, way <laughs> too hard. <laughs> um, so currently Jason is the Sunday school teacher for our young adult group. And he's been teaching for a very long time. How, how many years has it been? Um, I think it's my, I want to say fourth or fifth year at this point. Dang. Yeah, let's I, say let's say fourth year yeah. yeah i feel like i remember all my college days having you be the sunday school teacher for like the vast majority of it and i think jason always has some really really good nuggets of wisdom to share a lot of times and i i know i've been very blessed by the sunday school nick i hope that you have also been blessed even yes. when, during the times when you're able to wake <laughs> up Obviously, during the times that I'm there, I'm always blessed, and it's always a good time to sit down and learn about you know things that Jason's teaching. Yeah, and so I know currently you are not the pastor of any church, but you are a pastor. You've gone, to, you've gone to your Bible schooling, gone to seminary, you have your degree, and so can you kind of explain what your journey has been in terms of? I guess we started with Joe last week, what he was studying for in college. And then Joe obviously went straight from undergrad into seminary. But for you, what what has it been? What did you study? Did you get a job right after? Where did pastoring fit into all that? And what are you doing right now? Um, okay, that's that's a uh, big question. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. So I, I went to Rutgers and I was a business economics major and, and uh, I was starting to get more involved at the church. So uh, when I graduated, I had the decision to continue my internship with the government and turn it into a full-time position. Um, and when I was presented with the offer, I was thinking, you know what, maybe let me take some time off and uh, let me just just give it to God in some way. So um you know, I prayed about it and I was like, I, I you know, turned down the offer and I, I actually didn't really have anything lined up. And I was like, okay, God, let's uh let's see what you can do. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you at, at that time I was like, okay, I I'll offer uh one year, one year for you to do whatever you want with my life. And however I am going to be fed and clothed and sustained, um, that was going to be God's problem, responsibility, however you want to call it. So that, that's kind of how I started uh, serving full-time. And it happened that there was a, a internship program um, that came with a grant uh, for the summer. So I, I joined my church as a intern 
And this program allowed me to also network with other churches and their interns, um, particularly uh, Asian American churches. And it was really cool because I got to see how uh, other churches did things, what their issues were. And um, I mean, this was like ooh, uh, 12 years ago. So we were talking about issues that uh, affected uh, the Asian American church. What kind of unique challenges do we have? What kind of uh, uh, special issues do we face? Um, you know, we would read articles, uh, like one of them was titled, um, you know, two households in one house, uh, you know, the, the challenge of having multiple ministries uh, and, and really multiple churches operating under the same single body. You know, does it get too crowded? Uh, do, is there is there, you know, sometimes a more hierarchical model? And, you know, even though they say they're working in partnership, sometimes one one ministry is dominant over the other, uh, whether on purpose or not. And so I got to I got to really uh, get get some some training in that, and I got to be mentored and, and grow under a lot of uh, uh, different pastors and different um, leaders. And then as I was closing out, maybe like two years into being an intern at my church, um, I started I started to kind of hit a wall, and I was learning that like if I wanted to really make a difference for the the church, specifically the Asian American church, as it was the Chinese American church at the time that you know where it was going, um, I needed to to have more training and discipline. Um, and I was starting to see it was like this is not something that I could just study on the weekend and prep for a Sunday school. Um, so I. I gave uh, seminary a serious consideration. And so at the time, me going into seminary, my mindset was like, I just got to learn more content and, you know, theology and, and be smarter and be more more taught. And, and what seminary ended up giving me was uh, better spiritual health, better spiritual balance, uh, understanding my calling and my place. And I started to understand more that it, it wasn't so much the theology and the Bible knowledge that I needed more of, um, but that uh, God had called me to a place where I could help others start to uncover their strengths, uncover uh, their own callings. Um, and so I continued to do that. And while I was in seminary, uh, I began as a, as a youth pastor as a, in a Korean church in Long Island. Um, and so that was a real cross-cultural experience and getting to, to see a lot of that. Um, so my, my wife and I, like right, right before we got married, I started there. And then we got married. We were there for maybe four, five years. Um, and then afterwards, uh, I transitioned out of full-time vocational ministry and started to be more of a uh, kind of a mobile floater, a pinch hitter or a substitute and uh, work with other churches in a way where I could help their uh, primary leadership uh, provide like training or supplemental materials or serve as a consultant. Um, and and because I'm not really tied down to a church, what it does is it allows me to kind of see where churches are struggling across the board and come up with ways to support and help them continue in their own vision and their own goals. Um, one one big example was COVID. When COVID, uh, you know, shut down on-site churches, I I was uh, really in touch with a lot of pastors and their their technology teams, their AV teams, uh, to get their online services going as soon as possible. Uh, because that was an area that I was really passionate in, uh, digital technology and, and ministry. And um, 
my experience with a lot of pastors is they don't they don't really have a lot of exposure to online streaming tech and that you know so that's just an example of how me not really being a like committed pastor to a single church allows me a lot of mobility to um, adapt for myself and help other churches adapt as the culture uh, changes. Um, so that's, that's kind of uh, my journey in a nutshell. So you're a freelance pastor, essentially. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> freelance pastor. That's awesome. Yeah. We like that. Yeah. So when, so when does your lead coaching thing come in? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's what I really want to hear about. True. So I, I did spend, uh, in 2016, uh, after, after leaving Long Island, I spent a summer in Los Angeles, uh, coaching League of Legends at the professional level as an assistant coach on one of the teams. And, uh, I thought, I thought that was just something really cool. Cause I could combine a lot of passions where, you know, I could really help people discover their calling, you know, help them grow as, as just human beings. Um, while working in a, uh, just something that I had a passion for, um, it was a lot more challenging than I thought. And I'd like to think that I was impactful, but I don't, I really don't think I was, uh, it was just like such an intensely different, uh, culture that, um, I hope God did something there because, uh, there's a reason I'm still in ministry and not in esports. <laughs> so... Yeah. How are how are you even brought on to um do like league coaching? Um if you think about youth ministry and League of Legends, uh the the overlap is just uh helping helping youth and helping young adults uh mature into people that can work with other people. Um, and that's just something that's that's really big in esports. You have a lot of personalities, and some of these kids, they they don't. Some of these these players, they don't they don't really have that college experience of living with people. Some of them come right out of high school or uh, are finishing high school as they're playing, and there's a lot of growing up to do um, as they're as they're playing. So you know the uh, the front side that we get to see on these like streams and and big competitions, they're you know they're in their jerseys and they're they're making these big plays and there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. But behind the scenes, um, you're you're dealing with everything from like how to help them do their laundry on time to being able to wake up. And so uh, a lot of where my skills were were transferable was not just game knowledge, it was life knowledge. It was like, okay, you're 19, you, you, you live with your mom your whole life, you need to do your laundry because if you don't, then we can't get a clean jersey for you on time on Saturday when it's game day. Um, and if you don't have the clean jersey, then, you know, sponsorships will get mad and it looks bad for the team. And, you know, so there's a lot of this production. And with that, there comes a lot of stress. There's a lot of expectations. Um, so it was really interesting that that you had these areas that overlapped um, between ministry, just helping people grow up, helping people figure out what it means to, to be a, an independent human being, you know? So yeah, that, that's kind of where I came in. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, that, it was it was a good time. It was really it was really uh, I learned a lot definitely. Um, but I, I definitely 
think that uh, I was able to contribute more as an adult to someone who was trying to adult more than a, a coach trying to teach them the game. You're a life coach. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess going back to um, pastoring, uh, what did your parents think when you told them like, hey, I'm going to be an intern at the church and I'm going to take turn down this offer at the government and I'm going to go into like a uh, seminary? What was their reaction? How did that all go? Um trying to remember honestly because i think when i was an intern at the church and i was really involved they didn't really know what to think i think in their minds they were like okay he's gonna do this for the summer uh and then he's gonna look for a full-time job and they were kind of like confused because you know when you have like this full-time internship with the government and the government you know i they were offering to pay for my grad school too if i hopped on board for you know i would have gotten a master's in statistics um, my parents were, were definitely a little confused because it's like, wh why would you turn down life security for this? Um, and, uh, I think we were both, we were all kind of thrown, uh, off guard because when the summer finished and I was still an intern at the church, um, I picked up another part-time job and my mom was just kind of like, I think my parents were just trying to figure out like, how to make sense of it because it's not like i wasn't working but it's not like i was making enough to like realistically live on my own um so i was in this weird in-between place working like two part-time jobs that uh was was enough to make me look responsible but not enough for me to be as responsible as everyone else so i think when i went to seminary they just they they still tried to make sense of it um and it, it was almost as if I was going back to college again, but uh, with a little more understanding of what to do with my life. Um, so my parents were never opposed to it, but they were like, they definitely weren't like, like they weren't like intensely rooting for me, but they, they, they never stood in the way. They're just like, okay, you know, this, that's what you want to do. Let's, uh, let you know, go for it. As long as, as long as I was like taking it seriously, uh, they, they never really gave me a hard time about anything. So your parents are just pretty chill about it. Yeah, my parents are pretty chill. They're 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 good parents. That's good to hear. As far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's all yeah. you. That's all that really matters. As long as you think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, from what you were talking about earlier, it doesn't sound like you necessarily wanted to be a pastor. Pastor, in in like a very traditional sense, just like you wanted to be able to do what you've been given in a better way, I guess. Um, and so do you think that there was a time when you clearly heard God be like, okay, Jason, it is time for you to go into seminary. It's time for you to be infused with all my knowledge and with the word and with the ability to teach and help other people. Or do you think it was more of a, you know, I'm, I kind of just want to go to seminary. Like, obviously, God's going to be there somewhere in the background, but it's more of your own personal volition. What do you think? I think, I think that's a, that's kind of a loaded question. And if, if you look at it as like, was there ever a time God looked at me, uh, where I heard God say like, you're going to be a pastor, 
uh, in the way that we think of a pastor. Um, I don't think I ever heard that. Uh, like, I'm going to be a job like a pastor. Like, I, I think I heard some version of that from God, but like in reflection, I don't think that I fully understood what God was saying at the time. And, and that was like, okay, God's calling me into seminary and he's going to equip me in seminary to make a difference for the church, right? And so if you're asking me, did God ever call me in a way to be like this full-time pastor um, that, that, you know, is at the church and, and you know, has, the, has the, his name on the door or in some sense is, is seen as the, uh, like the guy with the title, um, I, I think that at this time, God is not calling me towards that. Maybe one day in the future, you know, we're, we're definitely, still, I think that's in for me in the future, but, you know, uh, not now. Um, but I think that, you know, when, when Rachel, when my wife and I, my wife, Rachel and I went to uh, Long Island to, to pastor, um, you know, youth pastor this church out there, it, it was a very clear calling um, at that time because, it, it was a place, it, it was very strange for me. Long Island is a, is a far, far away place um, that, you know, when, it, you know, whenever we talk about missions, it's like, you know, God's going to send you to a very foreign place where, you know, you don't really understand what's going on. You have to trust him. Um, and in my heart, Long Island and a Korean church was as foreign as it gets. <laughs> um, and so, so that's, that's how I knew that God was calling me out there because I would have to do, I, I would have no power. I would have no, like, none of my wisdom, none of my understanding of anything uh, could give me any sort of, like, competitive advantage. And so I remember uh, sitting with the senior pastor of the church at a dinner, and he, and he flat out, like, uh, midway through was like, what is the soonest you can start? And I was kind of blown away because I was like, I, I, can't, I don't think I properly say your name the right way, and you want me <laughs> to start working at your church. Um. And that was an amazing experience. He was an amazing, supportive, um, empowering pastor that that uh, honestly taught me so much uh, and modeled so much for me. And um, so, so you know, when when God called me, when when God calls me to places, uh, it, it's hard for me to say whether or not like is He calling you to be a pastor because the 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 concept of pastor, um, as I've come to understand it doesn't quite fit i think with what like the job is if that makes any sense um so i i think that god calls me to be a pastor of types but not the way that everyone may think of a pastor to be mm. what would your definition of pastor be because i feel like everyone has a different definition of it and that's what it sounds like from just listening on yeah, I, I would say that, hmm, that, that that's a really good question. Someone who is uh, a leader of a group of people and responsible for uh, guiding their spiritual direction as a, as a community or as a group. Mm, like a shepherd. Yeah, yeah, yeah in a sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and, you know, so sometimes you're like, well, is a small group leader pastor? And I was like, you know, in, in a way, yeah. Uh, you know, functionally speaking, they're just mini pastors. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and you'll often see, you know, some of the the more rooted smoke group leaders become like if you look at a lot of people that, you know, it's sometimes it's it's hard to, to really like draw a straight line between uh, are they pastoral or not? Like really good small group leaders, really good praise leaders that take care of their team. They're, they're you know, what's the difference between a youth director and a youth pastor, really? Right. It, mm-hmm. it just it's just what we see them as and how we label them. And so I think functionally, I'm always going to be a pastor or pastoral in some way. Uh, but um, I don't know if I'll always have that uh, public social title. That makes any sense. All right, Pastor Jason. All right, Jason. <laughs> I know that they're like anywhere you go is going to be like pretty different. Um, but what uh, Bible college did you go to? What seminary did you go to? And I guess what was that like? Uh, I went to Alliance Theological Seminary, the better known as Knight College. Um, but you know the seminary is called Alliance Theological. Uh, because they're part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And um, what was the second part of that question? <laughs> like, what was it like? I know that last time we talked oh, to okay. Joe, and then he's like, yeah, he went to Westminster, and he's like, yeah, that's a very um, more conservative type of seminary compared compared to, like, a lot of different seminaries. Uh, so I guess talk a little bit more about Nyack and what it's like there, your experience there, what type of things you learned uh all that kind of good stuff so um alliance theological seminary is is a you know it's a seminary that's part of the uh christian and missionary alliance uh denomination um and you don't have to be part of the denomination to go but they they, uh they put a lot of weight on the mission part of their denomination um so a lot of the classes that I had taken, um, they, there's three primary areas. There's, uh, you know, your, your, your core theology and biblical studies and doctrine, right? Um, and so you learn your Greek, you learn your Hebrew, you learn your exegesis, you, you learn how to study, interpret a passage. But a lot of the applications and um, hermeneutics, the, the ways you read the passage, focus on the cultural context of the passage and the common values. Um, so when you when you read a passage, you know, there's there's obviously the biblical culture and then to see what the, the passage itself is trying to illustrate. You know, when 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 uh, Jesus is healing a leper, um, it's not just, you know, he's making them physically healthy, but there's the context of uh, what is culturally unclean coming in contact with Jesus, who is clean. And, and culturally, you would say, okay, the unclean thing has stayed in the clean thing, but somehow Jesus's power has, has a purifying essence to it, and that makes this person unclean. And so there's this calling uh, in that um, when we are changed in nature as clean people, we go and we go to unclean, and when we have contact with them, there should be some sort of cleansing thing that happens, but it has to be within the context of that culture and understanding what is clean and what is unclean, right? Um, and so when you go to missions, then you understand culturally what they see as unclean and clean, and then you you are responsible for understanding where they're at as, as a missionary. You're not just bringing your own culture and being like, well, America, this is how we do it all the time. 
um, you understand, okay, in their culture, they see this as unclean. They see this person as unclean. So how do we restore uh, the state of cleanliness, you know, inter cultural and internal cleanliness to them? And then, you know, so uh, that that's another aspect of uh, the seminary is this missions and culturally uh, sensitive, cultural context focused um, like teaching, like how do you understand the culture of where you're going? Whether it's a youth group, whether it's, you know, um, uh, like Malawi, whether it's, uh, you know, France, whether it's, um, you know, a, a Korean church in Long Island, like how do you come to understand what they need Jesus for, what they need to hear the gospel for? Um, and so, you know, there's there's the like I said before, there's a doctrinal aspect, there's a missional aspect, missional cultural aspect, and then there's a spiritual formation aspect. You know, you can know the Bible and you can understand culture, but um, how do you cultivate your heart and soul uh, to grow and meditate in a way where the gospel is impacting you? You know, there, there are people who can recite verses and, and understand translations and, um, you know, study multiple uh biblical languages, um, but if they are dealing with, um, you know, wo wounds from growing up, uh, then what they preach and teach is going to be affected by those wounds. Um, if they are dealing with uh, stress, um, you know, where does that stress come from? And what is the, you know, divine spiritual answer to that stress is it that they feel like they have to aspire to become something that uh, is is not what they need to be. You know, a lot of pa I, I I meet pastors or other people in in ministry that uh, they struggle with this idea of what it means to be a pastor. You know, they think they have to preach a certain way, they have to talk a certain way, they have to pray a certain way. Um, and there's a lot of pressure associated with that because you're like, well, I want people to hear the gospel, so I have to be the version of the pastor that they think exists. And um, it, it really messes people up. It really trips them up because they're told by, uh, you know, other people who have pretended for so long that, hey, when you're a pastor, you got to be like this. You know, you 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 can't dress a certain way you can't say a certain way and you know say things a certain way and you have to always be nice and um that's where some of the spiritual formation stuff comes in where you learn to really establish an authentic identity uh that stands against that that you know it's like okay that version of of ministry is is a lie that someone else is making up and it's going to kill me if i have to pretend to be like that um, or, you know, I have this pressure to perform a certain way and it's a false pressure, you know, no one's expecting this of me. Um, so that, you know, that that's that's kind of the uh, the triple the 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 triangle of seminary that you, you kind of learn at uh, Alliance Theological. It's this balance between uh, biblical doctrine and theology, uh, culturally relevant and sensitive missions and uh, spiritual formation. What made you choose um, Nyack or Alliance? Uh, it was close enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. nice. uh, location location played a huge part. Uh, I did visit a few other seminaries, and uh, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. I, I went to Nyack because it was close. Because it it you know as I started to go, it it just seemed very well balanced, 
and it touched mm-hmm. on a lot of areas that I felt would I, I honestly have touched on a lot of areas I lacked. Um, I grew up with a lot in a church that was very rich in theological studies, but um, in terms of spiritual health, it was not really well developed or cultivated. Um, and and not 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 that by anyone's fault, you know, you, everyone's church has imbalances. And uh, I didn't I wasn't even really aware of cultural differences and how much of a factor they can play on how the gospel is received and uh, interpreted, um, not just from a biblical teaching point of view, but from a uh, congregational receiving point of view. You know, the, there are certain passages that are going to hit in certain ways because of how people grew up and where they are. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I chose the lines. It was just, it was well balanced and it helped me understand, hey, this is where I'm strong and this is where I, uh, I'm i going to make up for some, you know, uh, slower development. So good. Of, it's great that you you're already talking about your weaknesses, because I want to know what are the areas that you think you are um, the weakest in when it comes to um, your pastoral ministry and uh, like what areas do you think that you need to work on because I think that there is this really like bad preconceived notion for a lot of people that you know they kind of essentially put their pastors on a sort of pedestal like oh our pastor is like my pastor is a lot more spiritual than me. He knows a whole lot more than me. And so he's like better than me. And so he must not have to deal with all the problems that I deal with. But as we all know, as we've interacted with enough other pastors to know that like every pastors are just like you and me, well, Mm -hmm. me and Nick, Um, like we all have our struggles. And even within the sphere of pastoring, you're going to have your own struggles. So what do you think are the biggest areas that you're trying to improve in? Uh, spiritually as a pastor? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, hmm, there, there, there are a lot of places. I, can go. I, I think for one that I am, I've worked on a lot recently is uh, listening and letting people talk. Um, and, and this is not necessarily an ego type of thing. Um, I find that as as someone who has a lot of this information and a lot of this, like, um, content, I'm just going to use a very general word here, like content, like you, you want to tell people like, Hey, I see you're going through this. So, you know, here's how you fix it. And, and I, even though I may not say that outright at first, I, uh, I catch myself where I've caught myself, like having an answer in my head and just kind of waiting for someone to finish. And uh, more recently, and I've reflected this a lot during quarantine, um, just letting people finish their stories uh, is, is something that I have to actively remind myself that it's not about them telling me so I understand so that I can give them an answer, but it's about them feeling heard. Uh, and so my focus has shifted away from um, what is the what is the minimal amount I have to listen to someone to give them an answer to their life to how am I making this person feel heard? Because 
to not make them feel heard and just give them an answer is it's about me being smart. You know, in, in, in a very raw sense, it's just it's that that is me trying to be smart and prove to them that I'm better. And that that's an insecurity that I have that, you know, I, I want people to make sure I, I want to make sure that people respect me by showing them how smart that's a weakness. Uh, and that's an insecurity that causes me to respond very quickly. And I, I've started to say, okay, this is not about me and them respecting me because I'm smart. It's about me genuinely caring about them with no stake uh, of my own. You know, I'm not getting anything out of this conversation because it's not about me. It's about where this person is and making sure they feel heard and you know, after they tell me all these things, like there, there's a little voice inside me that may be like, I can't believe this person's dealing with this. This is such a stupid problem. But, you know, it, realistically, like those are very real issues that other people are wrestling through. And, you know, oftentimes issues that I have wrestled through in the past. And to not stop and listen and to make this person feel heard, um, you know, at the very least, hearing them out to make them feel heard uh, is... It's just like it's at best disrespectful and at worst like selfishly egotistical. Um, so that that's something that that I am working very hard to grow in. Now that sounds oh, like thank you. that sounds like teaching guys how to talk to girls one on one. Yeah, I know, right? And I guess the next question will be, what about your wife? <laughs> 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 what what um, are my wife's weaknesses? Is that what you're asking? No, 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 no. It would be like, so how was like your wife's response to you like, you know, becoming a pastor or like you were in you were going to be a pastor when you met her, right? From what I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, well, like I know a lot of people like when they think about like, oh, this guy's going to be a pastor, you know, that might be a red flag. He's not going to make a lot of money. That means so I guess, how did that all conclude with you and your wife? Okay. Uh, so that that's kind of the interesting opposite thing for my wife. Um, she is a, a dreamer, and she is... Uh, at times, I want to use the word naive, but um, she, <laughs> oh, she's I'll, very I'll willing. Sure. We'll be sure to show her this. Yeah, <laughs> no. she's probably and, in the other room uh, listening in. <laughs> she, she's a quote. She's actually she is actually in the other room, but um, she describes herself as naive now because looking back, um, like she'll she'll say, "Oh, we'll just do it and it'll work out," and I'm like, "Things don't work that way." <laughs> <laughs> but in her world, somehow they do uh, because she married me and I'm I'm a G no, um, because <laughs> because the Lord provides and, and you know she she has the faith to make that happen and. Well, not not to make that happen, but she has the faith that God will make that happen. So when when she was, uh, you know, I don't know, like single and looking, I guess she she did have it in her mind that she was probably going to date and marry uh, a pastor. Um, and I don't think she really understood what it meant for me to be in ministry and what kind of ministry she would be doing. Um, if it's not clear already, uh, I come from an Asian American, Chinese American, uh, Taiwanese American background, I guess, depending on who, who's, who, who cares about what. But, um, but my wife is, uh, she's, 
as white as the walls in my house and <laughs> homeschooled, right? And so when I told her, um, you know, hey, I'm going to go out and pastor this church in Long Island right before we got married and gay, oh, we got right before we got like, engaged, actually. She was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, you're going to ministry. This is what you signed up for. And I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> I was like, you're still, you're, you know, you, you, there's a lot to learn about age, you know, being an Asian American. Um, you know, I'm still learning now, but, you know, she, we, we, she was still kind of understanding some new things. And, uh, you know, a, a Korean church in Long Island is, is quite the mission field to travel out to. And uh, so, but then that, that's kind of the, kind of the double-edged blessing I want to say is she's not phased by these things because for me, I look at them all, I look at the factors, I'm like, okay, I have to worry about this and I should be ready for this and I have to worry about that and I, you know, be ready for this. She's just like, yeah, let's go. It'll be a great time. This is what the Lord's calling us to do. Let's go for it. And I'm like, you are insane and you have no idea what's about to happen, but Okay. Um, and so my, my wife's reaction to me being in ministry has always been, yeah, like she's always been a, uh, you know, like, let's go, let's go, go get it and let's do it. And, um, cause she's always been very supportive. Uh, and you know, even now that she, um, like knows better from experience, uh, she's always like honest and listen to me. And she's like, I don't like, she's like, I don't think the Lord is going to call us to this place or that, and, you know, I, I really respect that because she doesn't talk in a way where um, she's, she's not going to hold anything back on, me, mm. you know, and she's not going to hold back. And she trusts when, like, when I say, Hey, look, I think God's leading us to this place. She goes, okay, let's go. Um, and so she'll, she'll, she'll gas up the car before I'm even, uh, you know, ready to go <laughs> so yeah I, I would say my wife is is blissfully um supportive that's awesome yeah because a lot of times when you hear like when females hear that like some guy is a pastor they might be deterred because they're just, you know they have they have to think about like oh what does a pastor's wife have to do a lot of times so i'm, I'm glad that rachel is very much supportive and she she's wonderful i love i love rachel <laughs> well, i mean i'm gonna I'm hijack, hijack that topic a little uh and and this is one thing that i really love about her and us is um we we often have this idea of who the pastor's wife is supposed to be right um and and she and i have just taken this philosophy instead of saying uh okay, this is what a pastor is, and this is what a pastor's wife is, and this is how they should be. We've, we've decided to establish the culture that we think past a pastor or a person in ministry and a pastor's wife or, or uh, you know, a minister's wife should be. You know, like, this is who we are, and, you know, like, who says a pastor can't be this way? You know, who can't, who, sa who says a, a pastor's wife has to serve in children's ministry? Right. And so rather than let the labels define who we are, we choose to define what those labels mean for us. You know, it's not my responsibility to always be polite and set a good example, you know, and because that's not who I am. You know, I'm I'm a broken human and, you know, I'm not saying don't hold me to a high. Like, yes, there is a standard that I have to, you know, hold uphold. But uh, I think that to think that like 
to think that I, I'm someone who speaks in these soft, kind, divine, rhetorical, liturgical words all the time is just bogus. It's ridiculous. It's, it's just such an act and a lie. And I hate that, you know, it's, honestly, it's really boring. <laughs> and uh, that actually, that was one of her fears. She was like, you know, when God, when God said, I'm going to marry a pastor, I was afraid I was going to marry someone really boring and I'd hate it. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, but you're being punished with me instead. So <laughs> nice. Good confidence. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we love it. So I, I think that's something that that is why pastors wise or potential pastors wives get scared of because they see they see who they think they're supposed to be and they get scared off because they don't want to be that. And rather than mm -hmm. say, well, a pastor's wife can be me, they they say, I can't be a pastor's wife. You know. Mm -hmm. So that's not kind yeah. of deep. Yeah. 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 I, I think that there's some awesome pastors wise out there that break the mold um, and the mold shouldn't exist. It, it's fake. It's a lie. And you know, don't, don't let them ladies. Don't, don't let them turn you into something that you're not because mm. you're better off the way you are. Amen. Dang. Yeah. Do we even need Jason to do final words? Like, should we just end it there? <laughs> well, up to you i do you have any more questions that you want to ask um i mean i don't know i feel like jason you answer things very concisely yes so which I, is I, great and like very fully i don't even know what else to ask you yeah yeah okay, I, I, I got a question for you guys oh my gosh uh, sure. what's well, with these people asking us questions now <laughs> i know right <laughs> this is part of our job you know um <laughs> Yeah, like I would say, what what would you say is the biggest thing you've seen change uh, in young adult Christians since quarantine happened? Biggest change in young adult Christians? I guess like in the young adult Christian demographic, have you seen things shift uh, because of or during quarantine? In a, in a good way or a yeah. bad way? <laughs> That's true. I'm thinking that way. Yeah, I think I think the thing that I have seen is that people have given in to their slothfulness through? Um, in, throughout this entire thing. Cause, just because, like, like I think of inertia a lot. Um, <laughs> like things that are in motion want to stay in motion, and things that are not like want to stay still. And I feel like that's what I've kind of seen around in young adults i think that because i think young adults as a group tend to be a very passionate group in my like um in my experience like young adults tend to want to do a lot i feel like young adults um do end up doing a lot of things that are like very different than maybe um things that have gone things that have happened earlier and all that like i feel like my college group is always like you know, people, people had a lot of ideas and we got to try a lot of different things, but now I feel like now that everybody has not been with other people, now that people haven't really gone out now that, now that people like haven't really done anything with other people, they've kind of lost that passion or that desire to want to do things again. And I feel like people mm -hmm. are now like, okay, you know, we could, 
go do x or y thing but we could also just stay at home and chill like we've been doing for the past year and so you know i think that that's a legitimate uh i think that that's a better way to spend time and i think that that's how that's what i've seen at least like maybe not definitely not everybody but i think that that's how like a lot of young adults have been like it's it's come to the point where i was like talking to with my one of my friends earlier today and they were like yeah i don't even know if this person is like going to church anymore and i thought about it and i was like you know mm-hmm. you may be right like do you don't know if how people are doing in their like faith walks anymore because it's become very mm-hmm. easy to just not do anything um that's what i would say is the biggest change that i've seen in young adults from covid but nick what about you yeah no i i totally agree i think that was the biggest topic that came into my mind um when you asked that question because a lot of people are not in touch with community and i think that's a big part of it and like when you're when you lose touch community when you're staying home like most times like i feel like being at home lots of temptations like right there um and we're just so comfortable with just being by ourselves that it could be very detrimental to um our faiths and um how we do things uh and i know like a lot of my friends who haven't been going to church um this past year because maybe they had like some difficulties within their own communities and then once covid happened well now they have a reason not to even talk to that community or even you know go to church or you know watch sermons or really be involved with their faith and for other people it's just like oh um community was so big for them that not seeing them anymore like deters them away from like going deeper into their own faiths or just having those questions again or having that like passion that they once had when they were with people like-minded or people that um they can ask questions to um either like pastors or other like christian friends um because i feel like when it's online some people may not be comfortable doing that but when they're in person i think that's where people are more deeper and there's more like of a connection so i see that within the youth ministry or not youth ministry within the young adult ministry people are people are not going back to church as often or are not like diligent with you know keeping up with uh their faiths and whatnot so i think that's what's happening cool cool what is it what a debbie downer way to end this <laughs> No, yeah, I, right. I don't think it's a Debbie Downer way, but uh, I think it it does beg the question why young adults are, you know, have, like you, as you said, given in the slothfulness, right? And mm-hmm. rather, than, rather than look at it as a good or bad thing, I think it's just like, okay, this is where the culture has shifted. What does that mean for our faith? You know, to kind of ask, like... Um, and one one thing I was thinking about, like, is it is it that they're slothful because, like, oh, I don't want to do anything because it's easier to not do anything, or is it possibly a response to, as you said, they used to have a lot of energy and want to do a lot of things, and you know, quarantine finally gave everyone the rest that they needed to not do so much. Like, mm-hmm. is it that they they had high energy or? Was it that they were burning out and and now that you know things are ramping up again uh they, they don't want to go back to the you know constant dance of borderline burnout so it, it could be both i i really don't know but yeah. 
I mean, I think it's also accountability as well. I think if you have accountability, I think maybe your face would be, you know, stable. Maybe things would be okay. Um, but a lot of people don't have that accountability. So I think that's something. Also, I think that like a plus side would be that like, you know, we're now church is accessible anywhere, like online. So you can listen to like any sermon that you want at, from any church that, you know, you come across. Um, so I think that that is a good thing um, within just the world population in general for people to be exposed to like different churches and see like what different churches have to offer in terms of like their theology and like preaching everything. So I think that's a good part about like what's going on now. Mm. Good point. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with that, I don't think I have any more questions for you, Nick. Do you have anything? No, I I think we're good now. <laughs> All right. And so as is tradition here, Jason, uh, we ask all of our guest speakers to give a last words, a final words to the people listening. It can be about anything you want. We've had people share encouragement. We've had people plug their um, counseling businesses. I'm sure that you can probably guess who did yeah. that. And we've had people their plug their Twitch channels. So. Here's some time for your last words, Jason. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Uh, I'll be a hypocrite with this one. Um, I'll always enjoy where you are and, and love what you have while you have it. Because uh, things change just so fast in, in weeks, months, days, minutes. Um, that you know, learning the practice of now is something that uh, I, I'm learning to really cherish. So I, I hope that whoever's listening to this, you know, don't don't look too much in the past or the future. Just just uh, enjoy now. Live mm. in the present because that, that's why it's called the present because yeah, it's and God's <laughs> gift to us. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Enjoy the journey as you know, as it keeps coming. All right. Thank you very much, Jason, once again, for being here, for spending this time to talk to me and Nick about your journey as a pastor. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We are Amen, with the power of God and anime on our sides. We hope to see you next time. Peace. Amen. 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 <laughs>